0: What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Twilight Nine podcast. This is episode 48. I'm your host, Riley. This week, we're going to recap the John Deere Classic. It was actually a pretty good uh, ending. The tournament itself, John Deere Classic, is uh, usually not a very good one, but this year was actually pretty good. Lucas Glover gets his first PGA Tour win in 10 years. Uh, We're going to go over some of his earlier career wins. Ah, the last one again, like I just said, came 10 years ago, so a very, very large gap, but it kind of continues a trend that we've been seeing on the PGA Tour this year is that old guys can still get it done, right? Fill at the PGA, for example. So he's not the first guy over 40 to win this year. We're going to go over that in a little bit, but overall, the John Deere Classic was pretty good. Uh, A couple of our picks from last week. We actually didn't even have a card come out just because the John Deere Classic is a smaller event. Obviously, the Scottish Open, I was thinking about putting uh, some names out there for the Scottish Open, but I didn't feel super comfortable just because I didn't have my normal uh, lot of information, I guess. Like Data Golf didn't have that much stuff, and there wasn't really that much stuff about the course that I could really dive into. That, of course, this week changes. We have a lot of players to go over for the Open Championship. It's finally Open Week. But, again, for the JDC, we didn't have that much action on it. I know that I mentioned Mav McNeely, who we're going to talk about later in the show, who had another really, really good week. We had Russell Henley, who ended up finishing just outside the top 10, I believe. Those were kind of the two guys we were looking at last week, and they both had really good weeks. For the Scottish Open, we had Tommy Fleetwood was one of the names that we brought up. I actually don't even know how he did. I don't remember how he finished up last week. Uh, t a top 30 finish, 10 under. I know we mentioned Terrell Hatton. I don't think he had a great week, if I remember correctly. Oh, no, he did. By mistake, he had a top 20. So a couple of our guys had pretty good weeks for the Scottish Open as well. I just didn't feel super comfortable putting out a card just because, again, I didn't have that much information for the Scottish Open. But we're going to recap the JDC quickly because, like I mentioned We have a lot to go for the Open Championship. This is my second favorite week of the year. Obviously, the Masters is number one. But for me, the Open Championship is incredible. I love Lynx Golf, and we don't get to see it a lot. Obviously, on the PGA Tour, there's just not that many examples. The President's Cup a couple years ago was awesome just because it was playing firm, fast, down in Australia in the Sand Belt. That was incredible. But the Open Championship is my favorite week of the year, aside from Augusta National. I think that's what a lot of people like. Um, Majors-wise, definitely Masters number one, Open Championship number two, and then probably the U.S. Open and the PGA. But I can't wait to talk about the the Open Championship. The venue is incredible. Obviously, the field is stacked. A lot of the guys are playing very, very good golf. So, cannot wait to get to the Open Championship. But before we jump into the John Deere Classic, a couple headlines. For the Open this week, there are a lot of WDs. Uh, I know this wasn't even in my notes, but it kind of just just kind of came to light. Zach Johnson had a WD because he tested positive for COVID-19. Bubba, that was a huge story because he is vaccinated. But because of contact tracing, he was just around somebody that tested positive for COVID-19. So he's not making the trip. The time between contact and the trip was too close to each other. So he had a WD. Hideki Matsuyama, um, I believe, I don't know if he tested. I know he just had covid But I think he's just maybe close contact. I forget exactly, but I know he's not playing. But the Bubba situation sucks because he's fully vaccinated. And I think every player should get fully vaccinated. I just think that's how it should work. Obviously, you can't force guys into getting a vaccination. But I think you have to protect the guys that got the COVID vaccination, right? Like he's vaccinated he probably won't get COVID. You can have COVID and I guess give it to other peoples when you have, people when you have the vaccination. It just sucks that he's the one that has WD because they have to protect the people that might get sick, even though you just should get vaccinated. It's just a shitty situation. Um, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Obviously, I'm not super keen on the COVID-19 symptoms and how it's contracted and all that kind of shit. But it's just kind of a it sucks because he's vaccinated and you're protecting the people that aren't. And it just sucks. But so Bubba won't be there. So a lot of big names. I think I saw earlier, like 20 names on DraftKings and FanDuel just have WD or like out for the tournament this week, which sucks losing a lot of star power. But a lot of the big guys are still there. But it stinks that we can't watch the Master champ. Can't watch Bubba Watson. So that stinks on the senior tour. They just had the US Open. It was actually kind of weird because I know Steve Stricker is like a three-time champion I believe of the John Deere Classic and they love him over there and he went to go play even though that the senior tour had, had their US Open this week. I thought it was a little weird that even Stricker put the US Open aside, the senior the senior US Open aside to play the John Deere Classic. I don't know if I would have done that, but Jim Fiera gets the win at the senior US Open. He put on a show. I know Sunday was a little bit of a struggle. He had like a four-shot lead and then it went down to one shot. But he ended up winning back in 2003. He won the PGA Tour U.S. Open. It's a great story because Fluff was on his bag back in 2003. Fluff was on his bag this weekend winning the Senior U.S. Open. Fluff has just been around a long time. He was on the bag for Tiger's first win at the Masters back in 1997. Still rocking that incredible white mustache. The guy has just been around, has caddied for a lot of winning golfers, and he just added another trophy case or a trophy to his case. Uh, so Fluff is still out here doing, Jim Furyk is still out here doing it. So that was awesome for him to win. Over on the European Tour, Minwoo Lee wins the Scottish Open in a playoff over Matty Fitz in uh, d in extra holes. The kid is super talented. He's got one of the prettier swings, I think, in golf. He hits the ball very, very low off the tee, little stinger, which is awesome. But that was his second... European tour win Uh, there's a lot of guys I wasn't keen on the name but there's a lot of guys that study the European tour more than me that believe that he's like the next star of the Euro tour and I could see it just because good short game it looked like you had a good uh, week on the greens his swing is fantastic so he gets a second win on that tour and then a couple names in there obviously Matty Fitz we talked about a little bit I believe on the show I know we talked about a couple weeks ago just because he's kind of just been hanging around leaderboards he's a grinder and he played another good, uh, good week this week. Got into a playoff, and then John Rahm. Obviously, we're going to talk about him when it comes to U.S. Open Championship time later in the show. But he is just on an absolute tear. Sunday didn't go as planned, but ended up solo seventh, two shots outside the playoff. He had another great week, but just a really busy week in golf. A lot of stuff going on, a lot of news going on, along with this. So jumping into the John Deere Classic recap, like I said at the top of the show. Mr. Glover gets his first PGA Tour win in 10 years. He won the U.S. Open back in 2009. He won the Wells Fargo Championship in 2011. And then after that, just nothing he did nothing i mean he's had some high finishes he's been in the mix a little bit like top 20s this season if you go back a couple years ago he was kind of in the mix but since then no wins he shoots a final round seven under which included a stretch on the back nine where he played his last seven holes five under that'll get the job done stats wise he was 30th in stroke gained off the tee third in approach he was money with his irons and 19th on the greens if you guys aren't really familiar with that lucas glover he's like one of the one of the Few players. If he's the only one that comes to my mind, actually, when I think about guys that don't wear a glove when they play golf, that is very, very strange to me. I don't know how he did it. He actually got better when it started raining, which was very weird to see. The guy with no glove was like getting it done in the rain. So that was strange. But this was the first time his wife, two kids were able to watch him on TV, get the W in front of his family, which is pretty awesome. I think he has young kids. If I'm not mistaken, I think one's eight and maybe one's three. So we had the family watching. Really, really good stuff. He said that he was inspired back in 2019 about Tiger Woods' victory at the Masters, having his kids there and all that kind of stuff. He could get it done still. And it happened for him. It was pretty damn cool. Like I mentioned, he joins a play. He joins a list of players over 40 who have won on tour this season, including Phil Mickelson, Stuart Sank, Brian Gay, and Matt Jones. So the old guys are just getting it done on the PGA tour this season. And that's pretty cool. It's the only sport in the world, really, where, except obviously for Tom Brady, the dude is a, he might not be human, but it's one of those sports or the only sport that you can seriously, seriously contend for huge titles later into your career. Like you can just just keep going. I mean, Phil, what, a month and a half ago just won the PGA Championship and then to a major. I get this is the John Deere Classic. a little different. But to get the job done at a PGA Tour event with all this young talent and you still get the job done, even though you're 40, huge win for Lucas Glover. So Glover, congratulations. It was awesome. Uh, Sebastian Munoz looked to be... Just make a s- serious run. He was money all week long, and then he tees off <coughs> on Sunday afternoon, first hole, shanks it, makes bogey. Just not a good glimpse into what was happening that Sunday afternoon. It's really tough to start your week with a fucking shank or start your final round with a shank. Just not good. Um, he opened with a 63, then went 67, 67. And then the final round, he ended shoot even par 71. That was just never going to be enough. That golf course was giving up a lot of birdies and you needed to shoot four or five under in that final round to get the job done. And he just didn't ends the par ends the round with 71. He's a, another guy that pops up every once in a while. Like he'll have a top five finish and then he'll miss three or four cuts in a row and then come back and have a top 10 finish miss a couple cuts in a row. And that was this week from Yunos. He wasn't playing great golf, and all of a sudden, pop up, top five. There you go. Uh, I mentioned the two guys that we liked last week on the show, Maverick McNeely and Russell Henley. Mav played fantastic golf on Friday and Saturday. I was a little disappointed after Thursday because he shot an even par 71, but then goes out Friday, shoots 64, had an ace On his front nine of the day. And then on Saturday, he goes out, makes six birdies, birdies, bogey-free 65. He was absolutely dialed in. And then shot another even par round on Sunday, which was a little bit of a bummer. He made par on every single hole. Didn't make a bogey. Didn't make a birdie. Just made 18 pars on Sunday afternoon. So that was definitely disappointing because he's a fantastic putter when he gets hot with the driver and the irons he's gonna make a lot of birdies and that was a bummer he was only a few shots back going into the final round I think he was three and then the leaders make a couple bogeys so now he's down to a two-shot deficit and he just could not get anything to fall on Sunday afternoon so that kind of sucks he ended up finishing inside the top 20 at t18 I didn't really watch much of Russell Henley, to be honest. I didn't watch much of the golf tournament. Uh, It's the John Deere fucking classic. I'm not going to watch it. I'm going to take a week off, get my, you know, levels back in check and get ready for the Open Championship because I'm going to have a lot of early mornings this week for sure. But I didn't really watch it. I didn't really see Henley at all. He's one of those guys that even if he's in contention, they're just not going to show him that much on TV. But he ended up finishing T11. But overall, the John Deere classic... I didn't watch it. I've heard, I heard from a couple buddies that it was pretty good that they were watching it Sunday afternoon. Obviously I saw the highlights on uh, Twitter and all that kind of stuff, but for being a smaller tournament for only having what three guys in this inside the top 50 in the entire world it was a pretty good weekend. So that's it for the JDC. So it's time to dive into the open championship. Just a fair warning. When we get to the guys that we want to target this week, I have a bunch of them a lot, but Let's get into the preview first. It's been two years, but we're finally back at the Open Championship. Like I said, this is my second favorite week of the year, runner-up behind the Masters. Royal St. George's was the home of the Open in 2011. Darren Clark won that and became the champion golfer of the year. This time around, there are just so many of the best players in the world. Just playing really good golf, like really, really good golf. So I cannot wait for this week. Major champions so far in 2021, Hideki Matsuyama, Phil Mickelson, and his ASU disciple, John Rahm. Now it's time to crown the last major champion of 2021, the field. After John Rahm's seventh place finished last week at the Scottish Open, Dustin Johnson has retaken his place as the number one golfer in the world. It is definitely John Romm right now. DJ really hasn't done anything since he won the Masters back in November. Like he had a couple top 10s early in the season and then has recently kind of had a couple good starts in a row. I think he just had a top 20 at the US Open. But. It's definitely John Rahm still. I don't know entirely how the points work, but it should be John Rom. Like I said, he just struggled for a bit after the Genesis. He finished inside the top 10 there and just really struggled after that. But over the last couple of months, he does have three straight top 25s, including a T-19 at Torrey Pines. His last notable performance at the Open was back in 2016, where he finished T-9. Over his last three appearances at the Open, he missed the cut at Carnoustie and finished out outside the top 50 at Portrush and Burkdale. So his history at the Open just really not that good, which is a little surprising. You think, you know, DJ's game pretty much carries to wherever in the world, whatever golf course that you're going to be playing. A little weird that he, you know, hasn't really done anything in the Open aside from 2011 when the Open was at Royal St. George's. Where he finished in a tie for second. So maybe that carries over into this week. He's finding some form ish of late. He's played very well at this golf course before. Who knows if he's ever been back in the last 10 years to play the golf course? Who knows? But, you know, he's got a little mojo going for him. I mentioned him talking about DJ, but. Mr. Rahm, of course, is going to be here, and his form coming into the week is ridiculous. He had a T8 at the PGA. He won the Memorial. Yes, I count that as a win. He won the U.S. Open, obviously, and just finished inside the top 10 again at the Scottish Open. So this kid is on an absolute tear. His best finish at the Open came in 2019 at Portrush. He ended the week T11. Outside of that, actually, his record just isn't great. He missed the cut in 2018, T44 in 2017, and T59 in 2016. So... Only one top 20 performance and four opens. That's just not great. Obviously, the open, the type of golf courses that you're going to be playing are way different than the PGA Tour, so sometimes it just takes a lot of opens to get it done. I saw a stat from Justin Ray um, about a lot of the open champions over the last like 20 or 30 years have played in seven opens before they win the open, a couple of the... Outliers like Rory and Jordan, I don't remember the exact stat, but it's like that. You have to play the Open Championship a lot to find yourself in contention for the Open Championship. So who knows? John Rahm obviously entering with a huge form. He's a gigantic betting favorite this week. Maybe four Opens is enough for him to finally get the job done. Last year's champion golf of the year, Shane Lowry is looking to defend his title. Patrick Harrington is the last player to win back-to-back opens. That was back in 07 and 08. And actually, the two years before that, Tiger won. So we had back-to-back, back-to-back open championship winners. Lowry has been playing some really great golf over the last few months. He finished T4 at the PGA, T6 at Memorial, top 25 at the Irish Open. His game just fits Lynx golf very, very well. He has a low ball flight. His short game is awesome. He's a good putter. So again, with this form with his history at the Open Championship as a defending champion, I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the mix come the weekend. His game just fits. Other big names in the field, I say this for every champion, major championship episode, but everybody is here except Mr. Tiger Woods uh, and the guys that had to WD, Baba Hideki, all those boys. The golf course, Royal St. George's, a par 77,189 yards. Three open courses since 2003 have yielded a green and regulation percentage under 56% for the week. Two of those weeks have been at Royal St. George's, 55% in 2011, 55.9% in 2003, Royal Burkdale is the other in 2008. And then at the 2011 Open at Royal St. George's, only 34% of players got up and down out of the bunkers, the lowest rate of any PGA course that season. Really, really tough, actually. Each of the last two open winners there hit exactly four green side bunkers for the entire week. So you have to stay out of the bunkers at this golf course or you're going to make gigantic numbers. The weather looks actually really good for over there. Tuesday we get some showers in the morning, 32% chance of rain, 67, 13, it's blowing 13. Wednesday, 70 degrees, AM showers, 36% chance of rain, it's blowing 17. Thursday, 70 degrees, AM showers again, 38% chance of rain, it's blowing 16, and then Friday, 68, partly cloudy, 10% chance of rain, blowing 16. Saturday 68 mostly sunny 12% chance of rain blowing 15 Sunday 70 degrees partly cloudy 7% chance of rain blowing 13 so as we get later into the week the rain chances go down the weather gets better the uh, wind stays right around the same obviously that's a consistent number like it's going to blow consistently right around 15 all week it's going to gust 25 30 but the weather looks fantastic so we shouldn't have one of those opens where the draw is really important. Like some years, if you tee off in the morning on Thursday and the afternoon on Friday, that helps you, vice versa. This year, the weather looks really good all week long, so I don't think that should be a problem. Uh, New segment. We're just going to go over the TV schedule for everybody. All these times are in Eastern time, Thursday and Friday. 1.30 to 4 a.m. is on Peacock. 4 a.m. to 3 p.m. is on Golf Channel. And then for an hour after that is again on Peacock. Saturday, 5 to 7 a.m. is on Golf Channel. Uh, 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. is on NBC. Sunday, 4 to 7 a.m. is on Golf Channel. And then 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. is NBC. So Thursday and Friday are really early mornings. And then Saturday and Sunday are kind of just like normal. You get up at 5, 5.30, and you'll be able to watch all the golf. So that is going to be pretty awesome. Key stats. For the Open, I love targeting guys who just hit a lot of fairways. In most years, due to the firm and fast conditions, shorter players usually have a longer driving distance average compared to the year-long number, right? It hits the fairway. It just rolls forever. We saw that at Carnoustie. We saw it at Burkdale. It just helps a lot for the shorter guys when the course is playing very fast and very firm. This makes... Finding the fairway, critical, right? If driving distance is less important for the week, obviously you're going to have the guys that already drive it to 320 and it's going to roll out to 350. But if you get the guys that are usually hitting seven iron into green and now they have nine iron, to me, it just makes it a little less important. I like to find guys that hit fairways because the tall shit, on Lynx Golf Courses is an absolute one-shot penalty. You don't see a lot of times where guys are successfully like 150 yards out in the wispy shit and they got to get it on the green. It just doesn't happen that much. So finding fairways is huge. In 2011, the field hit the fairway at a mere 47.5% clip. That is very low. So hitting these fairways is going to be very, very beneficial. Short game at the Open every single year is always critical. Tightly mown areas, bunkers, that tall, rough, Puts an emphasis on your short game. If you can get up and down from those tricky areas, especially the bunkers, then you're going to be in for a good week. Again, I already said this stat, but only 34% of players got up and down out of the bunkers, the lowest rate of any course that PGA Tour season when the Open was here in 2011. You have to stay out of those bunkers. Data golf for information. Course fit, number one, uh, Annadale golf club. I don't know what that is. Liberty national. That is the golf course right outside New York city that every other year hosts the Northern trust and shadow Creek. Uh, they were there for the Zozo this year. That was also the home of Tiger Woods and Phil's like first match. That was that golf turn, uh, golf course trending of the players in the field. John Rahm is number one. Obviously his last three starts WD. That's a win though. A win T eight. Number two is Victor Hovland. T 47, Uh, withdraw and a win people are kind of forgetting that he just won a couple weeks ago so that's going to be something to look for he's not on the list of players that i'm going to be talking about but he might end up on the card come uh tuesday afternoon and then call morikawa second place t4 and t71 percent chance to win based on baseline course fit course history all that stuff Number one is John Rahm, 8.8%. Number two is Xander Shoffley at 5.5%. He's actually, you guys know, when a major rolls around, I usually talk about Xander. He's not one of the guys that we're going to talk about this week. But again, Xander's kind of weird because I would love to call him a big game hunter, right? He shows up for the big tournaments. He does. He finishes inside the top 20. 20 and 10 on on a lot of golf tournaments but he still hasn't got the job done at any of those golf tournaments like he's an easy bet for a top 20 or top 10 pick but are you going to go and reach at plus 1600 or whatever he's at this week excuse me and bet on him i i'm not going to until he shows that shows me he can win a big golf tournament i'm his biggest win is probably that tour championship that he won four years ago now so I don't know if I'm going to look at Xander, but we'll see. And number three is actually Jordan Spieth at 3.9%. He loves the open, too. He's not one of the guys that we're going to be talking about this week, though, on the show. Betting odds. This is crazy. Uh, he's half the odds of the next guy. John Rahm is at plus 750. Brooks Kepka is actually number two, which makes a lot of sense. People, for some reason, whenever a major championship comes around, just like don't talk about Brooks Kepka. And I'm being very ironic right now because I'm not talking about Brooks Kepka on the show. He's not one of the guys that I have listed, but... When it is time to play in a major championship, Brooks Kepka takes it to another level. He just talked about it at the Travelers Championship where he can't get focused or he doesn't prepare enough for just regular PGA Tour events. While he just took like a two-week vacation, didn't touch his clubs for 10 days and rested that knee, if he comes in and is playing like he usually does at a major championship, Brooks Koepka is going to be an absolute problem around St. George's. Xander Schauffele is at 18. Justin Thomas is at 18. Rory's at 18. Spieth's at 18. DJ is crazy. He's at 22. And then you go down to Louis Oostezin, which is another guy that a lot of people forget when a major championship rolls around. And then it rolls around. It's like, oh, why didn't I have Louis on the card? So he is at three. Victor Hovland joins him at three. Patrick Reed, who's just become like a major championship machine over his last like four or five years of his career, is at 33. Patrick Cantley's at 33. Bryson is all the way down at 34. And it kind of makes sense. I don't know how Vegas, you know, dives too much into like the personal shit, obviously. But he doesn't have his caddy, has a brand new caddy. Uh, This is the first time he's going to play the Open Championship as the Hulk, so we don't know how that's going to go. His driving accuracy is obviously horrible because he hits it 450 yards. You have to find fairways at the Open or you're going to be hacking it out of the shit. So I don't know how Bryson's going to do this week. I'm not going to touch him. You got defending champion Shane Lowry at 35, Collins down there at 35-2, which that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Collin Moore is the best iron player on the planet. The last time he played, the difference between him and like second was bigger than the gap from like second to seventy first or something like that in strokes and approach. Him being at thirty five hundred, the same price as Shane Lowry and Tommy Fleetwood and Terrell Hatton for the Open Championship is ridiculous. The major winner, crazy. Uh, Matty Fitz is at four. Paul Casey's at four. Lee Westwood's at four. Scottie's at forty five. Tony Finau's all the way down at five. Justin Rose is at five, and then Big Leash is at six thousand. So you can there's just a lot of good odds around here. I'm gonna bring up FanDuel real quick to see um, if they have like finishing positions yet. It's just crazy the amount of value you can get at this golf tournament. It really is crazy. Like, let's go to a top 20 finish. Like for the open championship, Xander Shoffley is even money for a top 20. And if you go down for a top 20 at the open, you can get Calmore Cow at plus 145. Like the value here is insane. So definitely we're gonna be trying to take advantage of that because those kind of numbers for those kind of players, crazy. Um, for the best bets, or not the best bets, but guys that we're gonna be looking at this week. I'm not going to talk about him. I do think John Rahm is in a very, very good spot to win back-to-back major championships. His game is just perfect right now. He's doing everything at a very elite level, but at plus 750, I'm not going to touch that. You can't get good value anywhere with those kind of odds, so he's probably not going to be on the card anywhere unless he is in a group that I like, which I don't think he is. Because automatically, if he's with Rory, I won't bet on him. Yeah. So group A on FanDuel is John, Ron Brooks, Kapka, Roy, McElroy, and Justin Thomas. I won't be touching them anywhere. That's just how it has to be because 750. I wouldn't bet anybody on 750. That's just ridiculous. But I am going to sleep with... Or I'm, I'm going to start... I'm going to sleep. I'm going to start with a sleeper pick this week. And I think that's Kevin Kisner. I tweeted about it a couple weeks ago when they were at the Rocket Mortgage. I think Kisner could contend this week i really really do i think his game at any major championship uh, he's obviously played well at augusta here and there but i think (coughs) sorry i think at any major championship i think kevin kisner's game fits the open the best right because he struggles with driving distance i think he he averages what i have it written down here right here Uh, Less than 290 off the tee, but he has a good ball flight. It's going to roll once it hits the fairway. He's a decent iron player. He's one of the best putters on the planet. And that's the kind of stuff that you need at the Open. And I think Kevin Kisner, I like his chances this week. He's played in five five Opens. He missed the cut in his very first appearance, but he's made every cut since then. His best performance was at Carnoustie in 2018, where he tied for second. And then the last playing of the Open in 2019, Kis finished a respectable T30. He's made the weekend in four of his last five events. He's finished inside the top 10 in two straight starts, which includes the T5 in Connecticut after a Sunday 63. Over his last 24 rounds, Kisner is 10th in strokes game putting, 14th in strokes game short game. He averages, like I just said, just over 287 off the tee. That's 172nd on tour, but he hits fairways at a 68.3 eight percent clip that's inside the top 20 on tour this season so we love that stat for the open like i said he's one of the best putters on tour i know over his last 24 rounds he's 10th in stroke same putting i think over his last 12 rounds when i looked it up i think he was fifth so his putter is absolutely on fire right now he's plus plus fifteen thousand to win so if i can go here (coughs) sorry my my throat's all messed up If I can find him real quick, he's going to be like plus 200, something ridiculous. He's even money for a top 40 for the Open. So if we get him for even money at a top 40, it's going to be probably what? Plus 200 for a top 30. We're going to probably be betting on Kevin Kisner this week for sure. But plus 15,000 to win. I mean, that's worth putting 10 bucks on. He's in good form. His game fits this golf, oh, not the golf course. His game fits just Lynx golf in general. Usually plays pretty damn well at the open. Putting 10 bucks on Kevin Kisner at plus 15,000, you might want to consider that. <coughs> Another guy who I'm going to take a drink, actually. My throat's been all fucked up the last couple of days. A guy that has been on our cards recently with not a lot of success. We put him on the card all the time early in his PGA Tour career, and then recently just hasn't really been doing it for us. But I think Will, Willie Z, has the game to win the Open at some point in his career. Right, He hasn't done anything on the PGA Tour pretty much since he finished inside the top 10 at Kiowa. But last week at the Scottish Open, Will grabbed a top 30 finish at and lost strokes with the putter, which that is what kills him. He had a couple rough starts in a row with his irons. I think at the Rocket Mortgage, he was literally last in strokes gained approach which for him that is i that, that doesn't even make any sense to me but he still ranks six on tour in strokes and approach his green and regulation number sits at 69.16 percent, which is good enough for 17th on tour his strokes scan around the uh around the green number is actually pretty good his short game's not bad especially since it doesn't get tested that much usually you see that kind of change how do i explain it like when somebody strokes in approach number is really high, like when they're in their side, of the top 10 or top 15 on tour, they're around the green number usually is not that good because it doesn't get tested that much. So if you're not getting up and down, like the very few times you miss greens, your number is going to be way down. Usually you see that. But for a guy that hits nearly 70% of the greens, his short game is actually pretty good. The only thing that kills him is his putter. It It's like, It was a couple years ago when Rory was like four putting from 15 feet. That's the feeling I get when I watch Will Zalatoris putt. He just can't do it. He lost strokes at the Scottish Open. I think he's lost strokes with the putter in like four straight starts or something like that. Just not very good. He's never played in the open for the open before, which that's one of the reasons why he might not make the final card. Because you just need to have experience in this golf tournament to win this championship. Um that's the only reason I think he wouldn't be on the card, but he has great odds. He's at plus seven fifty or plus seven thousand five hundred this week to win the Open. You're gonna be able to probably get plus value for him for a top thirty finish. So that might have to be a look. Just because a player of his caliber getting those kind of odds is ridiculous, especially since the finishes that he's had in majors this season. Right? He was what inside the top ten at the U.S. Open at Wingfoot. Was runner-up at the Masters, top 10 at the PGA. He missed the cut at the U.S. Open, which was surprising since he had a top 10 at um, the Farmers Insurance. But with his history in majors and those kind of odds, it would be crazy not to probably get him for a top 30 finish if you're able to do it for plus money. Um, Let me just look and see if he's plus money. Oh, I think he's going to very easily be plus money. Plus 175 for a top 30 for a guy that's got three top 10s in the last four majors. Crazy town. So that might have to be a good pick. Um, another guy, I mentioned him already, Grinder, lost in a playoff at the Scottish Open over the weekend. But I think Matty Fitz could have a really good bounce back week at Royal St. George's. He finished in the top 25 at the PGA earlier this season. He had another top 10 at the Palmetto Championship. His career at the Open's kind of a mixed bag. He's played in five uh, Open Championships. He's missed two weekends. He does have a top 20, which came at the most recent playing at Royal Portrush back in 2019. His other two finishes are T-44s. Uh, Last week in Scotland, he was third in the the field in strokes gained putting on the year. He's inside the top 25 on the greens on the PGA Tour. He's solid off the tee, ranking 13th in strokes gained off the tee this year while hitting 68.76% of his fairways. That's good enough for 17th. He's actually also become, I don't want to say sneaky long, but at a Lynx golf course, for the year on the PGA Tour, he ranks or he averages nearly 295, which when you look at Matty Fitzpatrick, how the, how the hell does that guy move the ball almost 300 yards? But when you combine that with firm and fast fairways, he's probably going to average right around probably 310 for the week. And when you get an iron player and a ball striker like Matty Fitzpatrick closer to the green, he's going to have a lot of opportunities, especially the way he's rolling the rock right now. He's plus 4,000 a win. So he's probably not going to be plus money for a top 30 finish. Um, yeah, minus 135. And he's plus 150 for a top 20. So if you're going to put him on the card, that's where I would put him. Um, I don't know if I love him for a top 10, but he's shown that he can uh, play in an open championship. He's in decent form, obviously, coming off a runner up finish. So. I would look at Maddie Fitz for probably a top 20. Not 100% sure if he'll end up on the card tomorrow, but if you guys are looking for a little bit guy further down the board, I think he's a great like daily fantasy pick. I think Maddie is probably going to make the cut, and then if he makes a lot of putts, he can be in it uh, come Sunday afternoon. Another guy just playing really, really good golf. We've won money with this kid a couple times over the last month or so. That's Scotty Scheffler. Over his last four starts, he has three top 15 finishes, which includes two top 10s, highlighted by a solo third at the Memorial. At the Scottish Open over the weekend, Scotty was T12, which was big. Uh, I don't really know his history on Lynx golf courses, but I know that he hasn't. I think this will be his first Open Championship. So for him to have a really good finish at a loaded field at a tough golf course at the Scottish Open the week before and top 15, I think that's, you know, projects really good on what might come this weekend. Uh, His major finishes so far this season, November Masters, he was T19, April Masters, he was T18, PGA, he was T8, US Open, he was T7. So he's improved his performance in each of the last four majors. In five major starts since being a full-time member of the PGA Tour or full-time player of the PGA Tour, Scotty hasn't finished outside the top 20. In 2020, at the PGA Championship, he tied for fourth. So this guy really likes major championships. Obviously this will be the first time that we see him in the Open, but he's shown when the when the lights are the brightest the kid comes to play golf. On the season, he's 35th in driving distance, 51st in driving accuracy and 15th in stroke seeing off the tee. He's 36th in stroke seeing around the green and 66 on the green. So he's just very consistent pretty much in every single department except for his um except for his iron play, really. I think he's like 100th, right around 100 um, on the season on tour in strokes and approach. But over his last, I believe this, yeah, over his last 24 rounds, he's 12th strokes in total, uh, 31st ball striking, 30th short game, 28th off the tee, 59th in approach, which is big. His iron play has been much better recently than he is uh season long he's 31st in putting so he's just doing everything well at the right time for an open championship for sure he's plus 4500 to win again he's another guy that you're probably gonna have to bet uh let's see if he's plus money for a top 30 he might be just because yeah he's plus 130 for a top 30 that's that's where i would put him probably i think Scotty. i think Scotty could have a really good week Although the last time I felt really good about Scotty, I think he missed the cut, didn't he, at the Travelers? But we're not going to talk about that. A surprise pick for... I talk about this guy a lot just because he's so accurate. But a surprise pick for this week might be Abe Answer. He's missed a cut in both tries at the Open, which are going to put a lot of people off of him. But I think his game just kind of fits Link's golf He's an incredibly accurate player. On the year, he ranks sixth in driving accuracy and 19th in greens of regulation. He averaged a little bit over 290, which, of course, on this week with the firm and fast conditions, that number should go up, especially with his ball flight. He can hit a nice little low draw, low cut. He has just a lot of shots in his bag, but he can definitely hit it low, which is good. He's another player entering the week in fantastic form. Going back to the Masters, his finishes are T26 at the Masters, T18, fifth, second, T8 at the PGA, T14, cut and then fourth again the only thing that scares me about Abe answer is his history at the open but in firm and fast conditions in australia a couple years ago at the president's cup he was one of the best teams on or he was one of the best players on either team all anybody remembers from that president's cup is when tiger that hilariously edited video of like tiger hitting the putt and immediately walking it in when that just wasn't the case but some people actually believe that was what happened which it's Tiger Woods. So I kind of get it, but people remember that moment in a are losing, but on the week, he was one of the reasons why they were like winning for most of the tournament. Like, Abe answer was kicking everybody's ass, and then he ran into Tiger, which obviously Tiger comes down to match play, and you've never really heads up versus Tiger before. You're probably going to lose. But in those kind of conditions, A. Plan fantastic. So with his form coming into the week, I could see him inside the top 20, top 30 entering the weekend, and then we'll just see if he makes enough putts to get in contention on Sunday. He's another one of those guys that you see like T14, T8 going into Sunday afternoon, and then he kind of just stays there and ends up finishing like T23 because he didn't shoot a low enough score Sunday afternoon to like make a serious push to the top of the leaderboard. So he kind of falls down. We'll just have to see if that trend continues over Royal St. George's. This is a guy, the next guy, is whenever he falls in value, whenever he goes down the betting board, that's when I love to jump on him. And we just did it with this guy at the Players' Championship. It may be time to bet on JT again. Justin Thomas fell to plus 2,000 to win the champion uh, at TPC Sawgrass in March. We hammered it, nailed it. That was one of our uh, few winner's picks. We had him, and then we had Max Homa um, a couple weeks before that at the Genesis. So I think we were, what, plus 9,000 in the stretch of like a month. For the Open, he's currently at plus 1,800, but so is Rory. Some of those big names are further down. Jordan Spieth, I think, is at eighteen two. But when JT, a kid of his caliber, goes down in odds like that, it's a guy that I love to jump on. His major performances so far in 2021, T21 at the Masters, T19 at the U.S. Open, and he did miss the cut down in Kiowa. He record, uh, his record in the Open is a mixed bag. He missed the cut in 2017 and in 2018, but he did finish inside the top 15 at Port Rush in 2019. Uh, he kind of had a, after the players championship and even kind of leading into the players championship, that's why he was at plus 2000, but he was kind of slumping. He wasn't hitting the ball. He wasn't making a lot of putts, but in his last two starts, he was T19 at Torrey and T8 last week at the Scotland uh, Scottish Open, despite a very, very, very relatable top three would. I don't know if you guys have seen that video. I'm sure that you have. It was everywhere. If not, it's already embedded into the betting article. So look out for that for sure. And then Shane Bacon had of of uh, golf channel. And a bunch of other stuff. Shane Bacon does everything. But he had a really good tweet about Justin Thomas. And it was kind of the reason why I loved him at TBC Sawgrass is because he does this thing better than pretty much anybody in the entire world. And Shane Bacon's tweet read as this, Justin Thomas's ability to control spin with his short irons and wedges might just be his best skill. And the dude has a Santa-like list of skills. Justin Thomas has every single shot in the bag. He has that little low just massive hook that he played at 16 at Sawgrass. If you guys remember correctly, he also played it on 18 on Sunday where he almost went in the water. That just rope hook low driver that is just sick. And then the very next shot, he can go up just like 16 at Sawgrass. He hit that slinging draw off the tee and then with a hybrid or a three-wood on the very next shot, just hit a towering high fade into the middle of the green. The kid has every, every shot in the bag, and when you play the, uh, the Open Championship, you need all of that. You need to be creative, hold it up against the wind, play a shot with the wind, play it under the wind, let it roll in the fairway, sling it around a corner. Like, Justin Thomas does all of those things better than anybody on the planet. He's the best shot maker on the planet. European Tour, PGA Tour, Corn Fairy Tour, LPGA, I don't give a fuck. He is the best shot maker in golf. And you need that at the Open Championship. Obviously, his record here is a little iffy. A couple missed cuts, but he just did have a T11 at Portrush. I could see Justin Thomas coming back. He hasn't won a major in a while. I think this this could be his second one. I just think he's due... And his form looks a little bit better. He's trending in the right direction. I think he just does everything well to win an open championship. It's just going to have to see if his putter comes along. Because if Justin Thomas's putter is on fire, you're not going to beat him. I think any player on the planet, and this is coming from a Rory guy, I think if anybody on the planet is on absolute full flight mode, and we talked about this when he won the players championship, I don't think anybody is better than Justin Thomas. I don't think anybody is because he can make it from anywhere. He can make any shot. So if he brings that JT to Royal St. George's, he's going to have a pretty damn good week. So I would look at I would look at Justin Thomas for sure. Um, if I go, you're probably not even going to get him for, let's see. Justin Thomas is even minus 105 for like a top 20 finish, like pretty close to even money. Just bet JT top 20 and kind of just solidify that end of the card. That might not be the worst idea. Um, speaking of a guy that was on our card for the U S open, I think it might be time for him to be on the card yet again this week. And that man is Mr. Patrick Reed going back to the masters. Reed has made nine starts. He's missed two cuts, but his other starts are just fantastic. He was T eight at Augusta T seven at the Wells Fargo T 17 at the PGA solo fifth at Memorial T 19 at the U S open when it is time to play big boy golf. That is when Patrick Reed puts on his big boy pants and he goes to play golf. The dude shines when the lights are the brightest. Uh, people don't like it. I think I'm low key kind of a Patrick Reed guy. I know that he like cheats, and I don't like that side of him. But he puts his balls on the table when it is time to play big boy golf, and the dude just gets it done. Phenomenal major record. Obviously a Masters champion. He's only a one time major winner. That is going to change by the time that man uh, is done playing golf. And his U.S. Uh, his Open history is pretty damn good. He missed a weekend in. T- 2017, and 2014, but his worst finish outside of those starts is a T28 in 2018. His other three are top 20 finishes, and in the latest playing of the Open at Portrush in 2019, he grabbed a top 10 finish. So again, he's another guy that his game kind of just fits these links golf courses, right? He has one of the best short games on tour. He's arguably the best putter in the world. I think Brandel Chambly tweeted a couple days ago that his wife asked him to put together a skill set that would that would combine together from players around the world that would combine together to make a 2000 tiger woods. Roy was driver, Moore Cow Cal was irons. I forget the sh- I think short game was Jordan Speeth and then putter was Patrick Reed. That shows you a lot. The kid absolutely rolls the rock. He also hits fairways at a great clip, 64.21%, which ranks 57th on tour, which is pretty good. His strokes game number of his, his strokes game numbers, excuse me, over his last 24 rounds are just spectacular ninth total 12th tee to green 33rd ball striking 24th short game 27th approach 10th around the green 84th potting 77th off the tee like the kid is just playing really good golf right now like i know that a lot of you guys listening to the show probably aren't batch agreed guys but the dude comes when it's major championship time and you can't really deny that his record speed for itself the dude is sick he's plus 3300 to win you're probably going to have to bet him top 10 to get plus money. No, you can get Patrick Reed for a plus 150 for a top 20. You might as well lock that bet in right now. That will be on the card Tuesday afternoon. Patrick Reed plays fantastic golf in major championships. That bet will be on the card for sure. Don't even really have to think about that one. Uh, Another bigger name, Jason Day is back to playing some pretty good golf, and you love to see that. I followed him pretty much all day, Sunday of the Travelers Championship. I know his back didn't feel great, Uh, He's had a couple weeks off now, but the dude just back to playing pretty good golf, and I love to see that. He's made three straight weekends. He finished T forty four at the PGA, T ten at the Travelers, top fifteen at the Rocket Mortgage, and Day just really likes to open. He missed the cut in twenty nineteen and last, excuse me, in the last playing, but before that had four straight top thirties. He was T seventeen in twenty eighteen, T twenty seven in twenty seventeen, T twenty two in twenty sixteen, T four in twenty fifteen. And his strokes gained numbers over his last 24 rounds just look really good. 65th total, 26 tee to green, 55 ball striking, 61 short game, 19th off the tee, which is huge for J-Day. Approach is okay at 135. That's still green, according to Fantasy National. 14th around the green. And then this is the number that's actually in the red, which is kind of surprising. And it's strokes gain putting. If that's the only area that Jason Day is a struggling in, I am willing to bet on Jay Day because I do not believe the putter is going to stay that cold for that long. He's way too good of a putter for that thing not to heat up at some point. He rolls his rock as well as anybody on planet Earth. If that picks up at Royal St. George's, the the Aussies just going to be in the mix come the weekend. Again, he's a major championship that major champion, excuse me, that hasn't won one in forever. It would not surprise me if he is, again, inside the conversation Sunday, like inside the top 15, 10, or top 20 come Saturday and see if he can make a run over the weekend. I love watching Jay Day. He's so smooth. The short game is really, really good. He's got like that no-hinge short game. It's all on the shoulders, which that's who I modeled my short game after. I don't really use wrist hinge at all. I just kind of let my shoulders chip. That's the best way to do it, and Jay Day is so good at it, really good around the greens. Hopefully that putter gets hot because he could be in the mix and we'd love to see that. He's at plus 7,500 to win. So I think you could probably get him. Let's see if you can get him for plus money. for If he's plus money for a top 30, you might as well just bank it. He's plus 170 for a top 30 finish. That is insane the value you can get here jason day minus 105 for a top 40 that could even be easy money so those two plays are definitely in the realm of possibilities when we put um jason day on the card for sure two more guys the next one ricky fowler there's another guy that kind of just is finding form for the u.s open or i keep saying u.s open the open championship in his last four starts he's made three cuts the only one he missed was in connecticut after a really tough friday i think he shot one under Thursday, and then I think he shot like five over or something on Friday. Not great. But his other three finishes, top 10 at the PGA, T11 at Memorial, and T32 at the Rocket Mortgage. And his history at the Open is just very, very good. And At Portrush, T6. Carnoustie, T28. Burkdale, T22. Troon, T46. St. Andrews, T30. Royal Liverpool, T2. Muirfield, he missed a cut. Um... Man, I don't know how to pronounce that. Royal Litham in St. Anne's in 2012, T31. Royal St. George's in 2011, he was T5. I, I always like, I know that Ricky's been around a while because he looked like a teenager playing in his orange outfits and shit next to Tiger when Tiger was winning a bunch of tournaments. It's still crazy to me that he was playing in an open championship in 2011. For me, in my head, Ricky's like 28, but he's really like what, like 32 or something. And then he was T14 at St. Andrews. So this guy really likes the open championship. And again, all eyes are on that finish in 2011. He finished inside the top five the last time it was here. So we'll just have to see. He's plus 650 or he's plus 65 to win. Um, We're probably going to have to go top 30 if we put uh, Ricky on the card. I know we've put him on the card twice and he's lost both times. So I don't know if he's going to go back on the card this week. He's plus 160 for a top 30. So that's where I'd put him if you guys want to put Ricky on the card this week. But again, he's just in good form. Which is good to see. I mean, golf is a better place when Ricky's around. He just doesn't win a lot. He just you know, gets a bunch of fans and shit. But again, the PGA Tour is always good or better when their stars are playing good golf. So I'm rooting for Ricky this week. And then, final guy. My guy. Our guy. I'm sure that a lot of you guys listening to this are big Rory fans because I talk about him every week and he's the only guy I really care about. And you guys know. If you've been listening to the show for a while, When it comes to major championship week, I bring up all the stats about Rory that convince me that he's going to win a major championship again. I mean, he's going to, but this week. Do I have those stats? Of course I do. I always, you know, dive in for the stats that show me and convince me that Rory McIlroy is going to be in the mix come the weekend. The last time he won the Open was in 2014. In 2013, he missed the cut. Last time the Open was held, he missed the cut. We like that. Earlier this season, he missed the cut at the Masters. In his next start, he won the Wells Fargo. What did he do last week at the Scottish Open? He missed the cut. Could we see a repeat performance? I don't know. Record at the Open since missing the cut at 2013. Listen to this. Obviously, he missed the cut at Port Rush in 2019. Everybody knows about that. He shot 1,000 on the first day and then actually almost made the cut on, on Friday after shooting at like 65, I think. 2014 at Royal Liverpool winner. Royal Troon in 2016, T5. Royal Burkdale in 2017, T4. Carnoustie in 2018, T2. You guys remember he hold that like crazy long eagle putt that was going 90 miles an hour and hit the back of the cup. We got a big Roy fist bump. Four straight top five finishes before the miscut last year at Royal Portrush. This, Justin Ray on Twitter, Rory McIlroy missed the cut last week at the Scottish Open. Eight of the last nine times he's missed a cut worldwide. He finished in the top 20 the following start. In three of those eight times, he won his next start. The kid bounces back very well from missed cuts. His last four starts in the PGA Tour, a win at Wells Fargo, T49 at the PGA, T18 at Memorial, T7 at the U.S. Open. Didn't play well in the European tour the last couple of weeks. I think he finished outside the top 50 at the Irish Open and then missed the cut at the Scottish Open. I'm not too worried about those. His strokes gain numbers over his last 24 rounds look pretty damn good. 28 total, 13th tee to green, 23rd ball striking, 66th short game, 80th off the tee, 70th around the green, 83rd putting. That's all like green to like light green, according to Fantasy National. So that's fine. The real number I'm looking at, he's sixth in strokes gain approach over his last 24 rounds. That's the number we were missing when he was playing shitty golf, right? He was always a good driver of the golf ball. He's an okay putter, right? He's not fantastic. He's not terrible anymore. He's right in the middle, even though Brad Faxon put him on his top 10 putters of all time list. I'm the biggest guy. I'm the biggest Rory McIlroy guy in the entire world. I don't know how he ends up on that list. I watch him every week. I don't get it. Anyway, when he wasn't playing good, the irons were bad. And that's one of the reasons why he brought in Pete Cohen was, hey, I don't have the freedom in my swing anymore. I don't know where it's going to go. I need to get these iron, these wedges dialed in. Over his last 24 rounds, he's inside the top 10 of the best iron players in the world. That's what we want to see. He got an early look at Royal St. George's. He was there on Sunday. Um, He did a little, um, I don't want to say like he's spot for the European tour or the open, but he did like a little video with him walking down the 18th hole. And his shot into, I think it was today, his practice round today, he almost a 16 today, and he was talking to, and I was trying to find the article before um, I started the show, but he was talking to somebody, I don't know if it was Lynch for Golf Week or somebody, but he was saying that he's very, very close to feeling that freedom in his swing again, and everybody knows when Rory is swinging freely and not giving a fuck where it goes, that's when he wins golf tournaments by eight, nine, six shots. If that clicks for him in the next couple of days in a practice round and he's just able to hit cuts, draws whenever he wants to with any club in the bag, he's going to win this thing. And I can't wait. As you can hear, I'm already convinced myself that Rory's going to win. So that's probably what's going to happen. I've been saying that for every tournament that he's in since I've started the show 48 episodes ago. But What are you going to do? He's at plus 18 to win. So, again, good value. He's probably right around with JT, what, even money for a top 20. If I go up here, minus 105 for a top 20. So that might just be one of those bets that you put on the card pretty close to even money kind of forget about it. Those two boys finishing in the top 20. I actually wonder if you can uh, parlay that. I don't think you can. Parlay unavailable. That's so stupid. But anyway, Roy McIlroy is going to win. That's just what it comes down to. But that's it, guys. That's the preview for the Open. That's it for episode 48 of Twilight 9. Again, follow all the socials at twilight9pod is the Instagram. Uh, We've been posting a little bit on Instagram, obviously, like the show preview and like the little clips or whatever. But if you want to stay up to date more with like the daily what's going on with T9 and instructional videos and podcast highlights and like swing videos and all that kind of stuff. Um, TikTok is where I've been posting everything. I think we're like up to like fifty three hundred uh fifty three hundred followers or something like that on TikTok. So like daily stuff. So go follow that. Um my personal Instagram is at Riley Himmel understore. If you want to follow me on IG, reach out to me if you have any questions about the open coming up, any betting stuff that you guys have going on. Um, I mentioned it on a TikTok video, I think, last week that I was gonna start this week, but I think I might carry it out, obviously, because I'm done with the show. But Um, hopefully next week for, or one of the main, I forget what's the next PGA tour event. I'm going to look it up real quick. Uh, as I'm looking this up, we're going to add a, uh, listener segment. So (coughs) what it's going to be is just going to be, and it can just be like an audio. Like you just do it on your notes real quick, but it can just be like a three to five minute little audio file of like your name, your Instagram handle whatever. And just make like three or four or five picks for the week, right? Just kind of empty out card, have some guys that you guys are going to target for the week. And I'm going to put it like kind of near the end of the show after I get my bets out. We'll put in the listener segment. I don't have a name for it yet. But if you guys want to be featured on the show at some point, just DM uh, the Twilight Night Instagram at Twilight Night Pod. And then we'll kind of like schedule it out what tournament each person's going to be at. Um, or you can email me too. It's riley at twilight9.com if you guys want to be featured on the show uh let's see here the open we have the 3m open we have a couple like smaller events coming up we have got like the 3 a.m and then we got the barracuda so it's either (laughs) we can either start it maybe for the olympics which is going to be kind of cool the last week of july july 29 to august 1st or we'll just wait until the week after when all the boys are in tennessee because that's a wgc event and the field's going to be loaded so maybe we'll just week uh We'll probably wait for that, the WGC. But if you do want to be featured on the show, definitely reach out to me at whatever, social media, email, whatever, Riley at twilight9 or the the Instagram or whatever. Just reach out if you want to be featured on the show and we'll like schedule it out. But yeah, guys, that's it. Enjoy the Open Championship this weekend. Uh, get up early and watch it. It only comes around once a year, so you guys can suck it up, especially on the weekend. Wake up at 5.30, 6 o'clock, get on that couch, and you won't have to leave until I think like 3 o'clock in the afternoon so enjoy the golf this weekend guys enjoy the open championship enjoy Roy McElroy's second open victory and I will talk to you guys next week to recap peace